Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today I'm talking with Katie Malko. Katie is an amazing musician from Northampton, England. Katie released the album Failures last year on 6131 Records. Today on the pod, we talked about the album Midnight Organ Fight by the band Frightened Rabbit. I got to state at the top, we did get into some heavy discussion around mental health, but we also, you know, touch on loads of other lighter threads. So I enjoyed my chat with Katie, and I bet you will too. Thanks to anyone who checked out our new Patreon. On there, you might have even checked out this episode early, so I don't really know why you're listening again. But if this is the first you're hearing about it, go to patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Don't want to hold you any longer? Here's my chat with Katie Malko. Are you vegan, or do you simply enjoy good food delivered straight to your door? Then you should probably check out Nourish. Nourish offers culturally diverse, gluten-free, organic vegan food for meal delivery and catering, all while enriching their community, employees, and our planet. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can find them at nourishcharlotte.com. If you're in the New York area, check out nourishdelivered.nyc. Nourish yourself. You deserve it. Hi, Katie. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Good. And so this is the first that we've officially met. We are label mates on 6131 Records, and but this is the first time we're talking, and we are talking about Frightened Rabbit's 2008 album Midnight Organ Fight. And yeah. when was the first time you heard this record? Um. Well... I think it was. It was such a long time ago, and I was a lot younger then. <laughs> and, but I think that um, it was when I borrowed a friend's iPod, and I was, I was a teenager. I borrowed a friend's iPod, and um, it was on there, and I just listened to it. Or it might have come on shuffle or something, um, and I really liked it. I, I'm actually originally... Well, my family are all from Scotland and I was born there, but I lived in England my whole life. So immediately I was like, oh, this band is Scottish and maybe felt an affinity with it because of that. And also because a lot of their songs are about sort of mentioned areas in Scotland that I would know or have family or have like got a personal connection to. Um, so it kind of stood out and I just got into it really quickly um, and then followed their career from there really. Um for, for many years um the first time first time i heard about them was with the the next record after this so winner of mixed drinks um i feel like there was like a point where i was just like only punk or metal or just aggressive music all the time and then there was a point where it was actually probably it was during college or whatnot that i was like oh i should probably kind of broadened my horizons more than that um yeah. so this was i guess around the time you know of ipods like you mentioned and things like blog spots and media fires yeah. and just went on a tear and just like 
downloaded as much like things that felt like, I guess what I would, you know, indie rock of the time. Um, And so winter of mixed drinks was one of them. And I remember having on my iPod as well and just listening to it a ton. Um, But it also feels like it, it kind of reminds me of a time. There's certain, there's certain artists that it's like, I really like them, but there's only so much I can listen to them because of like either how it makes me feel, which is kind of the easy way to put it or just, you know, it, it's hard sometimes. And it even got gotten like harder with, uh, with Frightened Rabbit, you know, to kind of think yeah, about because it's all there all the time in his music. Massively. And I actually, after he died, I, I, not to get into that immediately, but like. Yeah. <laughs> I went quick. I know. <laughs> But I, could, I really struggled to listen to, even though this is one of my favourite albums of all time and has been for all these years, I couldn't listen to it for ages after he died just because, as you say, like the, the content is, what it kind of weirdly shone a new light on it, even though it's like he's been saying these things this whole time. Like, it's not it's not news, you know, it's like, but it became very hard to listen to just for that reason. Yeah, I, I it's funny that I did that. I really expected like this would be something I would bring up and probably later in the conversation, you know? Um, So, so I did that to myself. Um, But it's even like thinking about like, cause I had never heard this specific specific record. I spent a lot of time with winter and mixed drinks, Um, but like swim until you can't see land. And then like, I remember even thinking about that song, at the time and you know not to like because I feel like I've like you know dealt with depression and it was kind of like it even felt like that before like before he passed away it felt like a song like you know it's like oh that's something I could do (laughs) you know and I don't say that lightly um but and then now in the context like even thinking of um and we'll we'll kind of go through some of the tracks but just you know, like floating in the fourth. It's yeah. just like, it's just like listening to it now. It's just like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, it's just oh, like so much yeah. there. It's just, you know. And that was my favorite one on the album from, and you know, and this is it's 10 years that between that coming out and him um, committing those acts. But um, it, it's like we used to go across that bridge. Um, to and from family houses because we were from Fife um, and all our, my mum's side of the family lived in Edinburgh and that's the bridge that connects Edinburgh to Fife is the fourth road bridge um, and it's really really big and like really impressive and uh, we used to go across it and like be really excited to go see the bridge you know when we we're kids and we used to do that journey all the time um, and so I guess then I did like feel a weird personal connection to the song because he was talking about this bridge that I know so well, you know, and like have a bit of nostalgia around it because of now lived in England and not been up as much. And um, so then, yeah, for, I, I kind of was so naive, I think, when I was listening to it when it came out that um, I'm not even sure that I really fully understood the depth of meaning to it. And I'm not even sure I really thought this was something 
that I'm not even really sure I understood what he was saying. Like now I look back and then it sort of was a bit of a, you know, just a horrible eye opener when it, that he like actually just went through with exactly what the song sort of talks about. It was very weird. Yeah. I, I felt like when it's, to me, it's uh, the only, I guess, comparison I can make is like, you know how when you meet someone and you're like, oh, that person makes me feel that way. Either I should probably avoid them or either, you know, yeah. there's a kinship there. Like with listening to any of Scott's music, it was like he kind of speaks in a way. And I think that's like to the credit of like the songs. I think a lot of people probably have this feeling about it. For, for me, it was like, oh, he's like speaking my kind of mental health language you know and I, I don't I don't have like you know I haven't been told that you know but I have like mental health issues like in my family with like bipolar yeah. and whatnot um but you know nothing that's specifically given to me yet at this time or you know nothing that a doctor has told me yes you definitely have this but right. with such a history of it it's you know it's like it's probably there but you know the then where I'm kind of getting to is uh, when I think about things like, like Mount Erie, let's say, like, it's like, but it's like, it, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, that the one record has a long title. So, um, but like, it's, it's great. I think I listened to it twice and I'm not sure when I'll go back to it. Inversely, you know, I, you know, I feel like I would actually go back to Frightened Rabbit. Like, if you take all that away, it's like, there's just, it's actually fun music, <laughs> you know. I was about but, to say that. Yeah. yeah. I think with Mount Erie, it's, a lot of it is the lyrics. And yeah. there's, and obviously I really enjoy it musically as well, but I think that the the, the depth of the character of that those songs are about what he sings about. It's a stream of consciousness often. So it's not as, I suppose there's the, where, because I struggle as well. I love Mount Erie so much, but um, say that I've bloody forgotten the album's name. I always do this. The, uh, the, the one that where his wife's died. Yeah. Um, I think it's like a perfect record. I think it's amazing, but I really struggle to listen to it because it makes me feel a really weird feeling like, like a very specific feeling that I like only want to access very rarely. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas I think with Frightened Rabbit, there's like, yeah, the lyrics are pretty heavy at times, but there's also like um, a, a carefree, there's something a bit more care, carefree about how he's, his lyrical like patterns and in that he's talking about these things, but it's, it's but there's also like an, an air of being like, but fuck it, let's dance. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a jubilancy to some of the music that you can kind of almost just refocus what you're listening to. And, you know, whereas I guess with Mount Erie is less like, it is very lyric heavy. Yeah. And the album was A Crow Looked at Me. I had to look it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that album is amazing, but yeah, it's, I mean, there's movies like this too. It's like one I can think of and it feels like it makes me like 80 years old. There's this uh, Jane Seymour, Christopher Reeve movie called Somewhere in Time. 
and it's like a time traveling romance movie, but it's not like a feel good movie. (laughs) And um, there are certain movies and like, let's say like what dreams may come or something, you know, we could probably think of like better examples. It's like, yeah. You think they're great, but you can't go back to them often. <laughs> yep, definitely. I can't think of a movie like that, that that makes me feel that same. I mean, there will be one, but I just can't think of the top of my head. Because I, yeah. just, I just tend to watch absolute rubbish these days. I can't handle anything too heavy in terms of films. I just seem to... For instance, this morning before I started work, I watched Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, where I'm at. <laughs> yeah it's it's strange um my partner's been kind of the same way like even in october usually i'll do what everyone else does and try and watch like horror movies but she was like uh you know it's like is it a funny horror movie like you know yeah. like she had really been trying to avoid it more than usual just due to like everything in the world it's like the world is horror enough so why do this to me so it'd be like Halloween Town or like, you know, yeah. Hocus Pocus or, you know, something more like that than like, you know, um, so, so yeah, I mean, I get that. I I tend to go like the other way with it, just kind of like ride into it and, you know, kind of hope I come out the other end, you know, of it. Yeah, look, me and a friend got together on Halloween and watched The Craft. <laughs> but I, that's, it's got scary parts, but I feel like that it's still kind of, it's still fun. The craft. Yeah. Yeah, the craft is fun because they're like young witches. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what every girl wants to be. <laughs> yeah. At school. And they levitate each other and like, you know, turn their enemy's hair into boldness. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence didn't come out right. <laughs> turn their enemies bold. Everyone wants to do that. Have you heard about the craft sequel? No. <gasps> or it's it's so I guess it's not technically like a sequel and where you'd want those characters to kind of keep going. It's it's really one of those it's one of the kind of thing it's basically a reboot, but I think they right. I don't know if it's gonna be any good. Or it might be out now. I don't know. Um I saw a trailer for it, but it's like the craft and then some subtitle to it. It's one of those things where pretty much any movie that's a reboot, they try and just like make it called like what the movie was, you know, and then just because it's like brand recognition and, uh, but like David Duchovny's in it for some reason. So, you know, so maybe, maybe that's worth it. I don't know. I will definitely watch it. I could, I would watch a reboot of the craft with like whoever the equivalent of those actresses might be now. I mean, who would you think it would be? Because what? Because Thingy, she was really big because of Party of Five, wasn't she? And then there's the girl from Empire Records and the Wizard of Oz woman. Oh, Feruza Bach? Yeah. I don't know it's how I just knew that name. Five. I think it's <laughs> such a name that it's like, it's kind of like hard for me to get out of my head. I, I, so it's called The Craft Legacy. Ooh. And I think it somehow is like Feruza Bach cameos in it i mean i haven't seen it yet but i think that's like the connection so i think it's essentially a reboot but it has like some sort of connection to the uh the original movie and it has i don't know who any of these people are except for 
I'm going to say their names and maybe they mean something to you. Kaylee Spaney, uh, mm-hmm. Gideon Adlon, Lovey Simone, Zoe Luna, Michelle Monaghan, and David Duchovny. I know that <laughs> one. <laughs> you should, I would have thought they'd make it with like the Kardashians or something now. Mm. I guess they have to be like younger though. Um, I'm going to click on one of these names. So the the first person I clicked on was in Pacific Rim Uprising. Right. So So these aren't really famous. They're not very famous actresses then. But I suppose the original ones weren't. Well, they kind of were like a little bit. Well, the other actress I'm looking at was in this movie called Blockers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think like depending on... Uh, I think if we were younger, not to out our ages and, you know, get us thrown away in the trash. Um, if we were younger, maybe these people would have like much more of a connection. Uh, yeah. So, but, but yeah, some, somehow we got far away from frightened rabbit, which I'm totally fine with. Uh, Um, yeah, I was going to say maybe it would be like, cause, because they were from like, so one of them was like from a cult film. One of them was from like a really big TV series. One of them was like a child star. And I was trying to think like who the equivalents of that would be now. And like, but I honestly just don't know enough young actors to do that, to make that comparison. So Yeah, sometimes <laughs> when I do that, I, I feel like it's like, well, when you said the Kardashians, that's like where my brain will go to like somebody that's still kind of been around, I think, too long. And so it's yeah. like people that might have been newer stars, like, you know, five or so more years ago. Um, you know, yeah. so it's like, it's like, oh, I'm not on the ground level with like, <laughs> who's, you know, um, but I don't know if you've been watching like, uh, kind of like straight to Netflix, kind of like holiday movies or anything. I'm not sure if oh, that's holiday. Oh, have you, <laughs> I, I've been wanting to watch that. Uh, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Was it not good? I just don't. Well, there's this guy, and he's in. Hang on, was he in Holiday? He was in Last Christmas, and he was in the the um, oh the film that was like really annoyingly long, and it was like a rom com, but it wasn't. There was no com. It was all rom. Um, Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I don't know anybody's name, but he's terrible. He's a terrible actor. I've got to check. Was he even in Holiday? Probably not. <laughs> We're going to see. Last Christmas. He was like the... the, the, the Luke Ro- Bracey? He, Is that who you're referring to? Because um, he's the... Henry the, Golding. Oh, Henry Golding. And he's in... Yeah. And he's in Crazy Rich Asians. That's it. You're saying you don't like Henry Golding? Well, I just, I thought he was in Holiday, but I'm mistaken. So I've obviously just messed up this whole uh, speech. But basically... Well, yeah, we're going to have to start re-recording everything now because of this. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's like a terrible leading man. He's just a, not a very good actor. Henry That's Golding, what? isn't it? No, so who was the guy wow. in Holiday then? Anyway, uh, Luke Bracey, and he was in G.I. Joe Retaliation and the Point Break remake. Oh, how on earth have I mixed these people up? I don't know. That's 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 a leap. Because <laughs> Henry Golding is different. 
than that. <laughs> I've really got that wrong. Anyway, so if any, whoever's listening, if, if right now someone should look up Henry Golding and Luke Bracey and look <laughs> at the difference between these two people and, you know, but it, I, I would get that. I guess you're kind of, it might be a type that well you're also i think you're i think what you're really mixing up is amelia clark and emma roberts maybe i I don't mind amelia clark though is that the one in last christmas uh yeah amelia clark from game of thrones yeah Uh, i don't mind her she's quite funny i think but but i wonder if if you watch last i haven't seen last christmas um but i could I could see mixing up uh, Amelia Clark and Emma Roberts, like even name wise. And they're, they're kind of a similar type, um, yeah. you know? And so I think if you then combine them, then you start combining those movies, but then to take the leap to mix up Luke Bracey uh, <laughs> and Henry Golding is, is quite, that's, that's great. I think what it all it was in my head, and also I've got to add that I'm a bit scrambled egg in my brain at the moment because I've just gotten over COVID, and it really messes your brain. Like really, it's you have fog brain. That's a real thing that comes with having COVID. But um, I think what it was that was in my head was just like bad actor in rom com, and that mm. was where my mind went. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. think he was any good, and that's in that he ruined Holiday. And also, Holiday was just not funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's trying to masquerade like it's funny. It's not at all funny. It's not even slightly funny. I didn't laugh at any point. One thing I've noticed that they do, and I mean, they do it in movies, but with sitcoms that don't have laugh tracks, instead, of, like if they're supposed to be funny, then they'll cut to one of the friends laughing. And to sort of like in the same way tell you that something's supposed to be funny. And I think in not funny romantic comedies, like when they watch it, they're like, guys, this isn't funny. <laughs> like, and then so they'll like add in people laughing, you know, is what it seems like they do. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example of that, but I can't. Or they'll add in like some silly music. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah, they kind of have to like up the funny factor because there's like nothing landed so <laughs> yeah. there's always like a little like a a little mischievous clarinet or something at the yeah. point where you're supposed to find it funny and it's just like oh oh it's mischievous clarinet this must be a joke <laughs> yeah but you did mention so you are getting so you you got covid yeah i did and I was being very careful, I, yeah. I promise. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was one friend of mine didn't know, well, and his girlfriend, they didn't know they had it. And we weren't in lockdown here. So um, we went to the pub. And it was like the only time I'd been to the pub basically all year. Um, and I was sat next to them and they had it. And then the following week, I uh, def- definitely had it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. How do you think how do you think uh where you are has been dealing with it cuz I f- I feel like numbers in uh the UK and Europe are obviously unless I haven't looked at the right numbers like uh, I feel like they're 
obviously better than the U.S., but do you feel like as a society overall, which it might be hard for you to speak on, um, do you feel like they could deal with it better? Or, I mean, as a comparison to U.S., kind of a hard thing. Um, I can't speak really for Europe because I, I know they've all got different rules in all the countries, but it does seem like there is, for instance, my friend, he lives in Austria and like they're, they're, they've just seemed to have dealt with it so much better than we have. And I don't know if it's, and also, but it's hard to say because like the populations are different, the way people live is different and, you know, there's a lot of built up cities and stuff here. I can't really think like if you can really compare that to some places that seem to have dealt with seem to have dealt with it better but yeah I don't think we've dealt with it well here at all I think that like this government tends to put businesses first and not even small businesses big big businesses first and like all the all the contracts for that and it, I mean I know that like you guys don't have the public health care thing there but um like all the contracts that for like COVID related care, you know, they've all gone out to like these massive companies like Amazon, like I had to order a test kit and it came from Amazon, you know, it's like, which is fine, but I think it's just been dealt with really weirdly and we haven't seemed to have, and we, we just haven't acted. Like I don't feel like he's acted fast. So it was clear that they're like, numbers were shooting through the roof and everyone was like we should be in lockdown like we should be and that was the first time around and it didn't come didn't come everything was as normal and people were you know out and about and mingling and traveling and um getting really well and and it's been a bit of a wake-up call and I think I didn't even really like consider the dangers of it even back then I don't know if anyone really understood it but then a couple of my friends got really ill with it and they were like laid up for weeks and I was like oh that's quite scary and then you know we were in lockdown and it was really weird and then we came out of it and people were just starting to get a bit sort of what's the word um just less cautious like people were starting to like forget that it was a thing I felt including me and I went to the pub yeah thinking I'm not, not breaking the rules like it's fine and the next thing I know, I've got it. And my mum's neighbour died like a few days ago. So if that's not enough to make you behave, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my dad got it. Um, I think he? it was, yeah. And he he ended up, I guess he, he had like a relatively minor case, but he's not like the healthiest person so it's been kind of persisting in strange ways like he already like doesn't do a whole lot <laughs> you know so right i'm sorry to hear. but it's like it could have been a lot worse like he ended up just kind of dealing with it at home for a good while um so that's lucky i mean i had another person that um they're not like a close friend but you know they live in like florida and they got it and they were being pretty cautious. I think like the main point is like even people that like if I were the most cautious person, like I could still get it, you know, like it's you can get it kind of no matter where you kind of set yourself up at. And it's kind of in another kind of point to what you were saying, like it seems like in certain ways, like our governments have dealt with the same in that um, there was a point where it was kind of like, 
where there there was like talk of like post COVID, you know, and then so that kind of like seeps in and you're like, well, I guess I can kind of go mm-hmm. here. And then it was like, then that's sort of what's caused like this like second wave spike because it, there's no post COVID. Like we're not, you know, we're not like out of it, you know, with that. But yeah, so it's kind of like hard. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't drink. So I think it's like made it easy to like not, you know being in a bar but yeah you know but i you know i can't really like judge anyone because you know there's certain things where it's like i know that this probably isn't you know the proper way to do it but it's hard it's hard to kind of know like i I wish like our governments had just straight up done what australia had done um you know because they seem like they're like through it basically aren't they like what's Still, I don't, do you know what? I haven't really even kept up with the news on it because it's been bumming me out so much. I think it's, I think it's like, it is kind of like hard to keep in, there's just so much to kind of keep in mind. And also like comparing all like, all I know is like the U S has dealt with it like horribly, like, and there's no metric that, you know, kind of says that they haven't, you know, like even if the UK is not dealt with a grade, it's sto- sort of like, you know, there's just like a, big flaming pile of shit that is the u.s and then everyone else might be like you know just a flaming something you know but it's like it's like not you know um but that's not even like that's not like something i don't say that as like a point of pride obviously it's not like i we're the best at being the worst but i guess we are Uh, (laughs) yeah I, i get the impression it's not been dealt with well there at all and it feels like there's a lot more people over there that are like you're taking our freedom away and like, oh, I don't even believe the virus is real and whatever. And there's a bit of that here and there've been protests, but it's not, it doesn't seem on the same level as what this, what the narrative seems to be over there. And that, you know, Trump was sort of fanning the flames of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've noticed all these voters to die. Does he? What? That's what, what I find weird about that. It's like, does he actually want the people that vote for him to all die? Yeah, you <laughs> seem like you want them to stay around so they can kind of support you. And well, now exactly. I guess his future endeavors, whatever they might be. Um, so killing them off isn't, you know, unless he doesn't truly like... doesn't really think it's a big deal. But I, I, I can't. I don't buy that. Yeah, I think that really proves that he's like a horrible businessman. It seems like if you know you have a brand, you wouldn't try and kill the people that are buying your product. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that was his problem in the election. Maybe the few, I know it was close, but maybe a few of his core people have all died. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, there was something I read, and I didn't even think about it, where they were talking about, um in the u.s election like where where republicans would be like uh oh dead people voted and some it was like a tweet that was like well since uh i don't even know what the numbers are now in the u.s it's what like two hundred fifty thousand people or something you know two hundred twenty thousand people have died and you're like because of covid there actually probably have been a decent amount of people that voted early and then died and so technically there were dead people who voted, you know. Think about that, of course. And then I was like, whoa, I've never even like thought about that. That's like gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
the weirdest thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's dark. But uh, somehow, I guess we should talk about Frightened okay. Rabbit again. Yeah. Um, so, so you don't listen to the album very often because it makes you feel a little bit, a little bit weird in a way because of the content. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, and even kind of go, but going back to something like when I compare it to Mount Erie, just picking up that tangent oh, yeah. from like 20 minutes ago. Um, like you were saying, like Mount Erie, like has, it's like all lyrics, you know? Um, but there is like a certain way that Scott Hutchison writes that I feel like I can definitely wrap my head around in terms of like he writes hooks, you know, it's like, you know, he'll repeat, he he has like a, it's like he'll say the same thing a lot, but then he has these little gems that are just like a single line that just like, it, I don't know, it's something I'm very interested in, in terms of songwriting. Like, I feel like I tend to write in kind of hooks, like, you know, repeating the same passage. And sometimes I'm like, ah, I wish I had that kind of way of like, I don't know, something on the equivalent of like Mount Erie, like where you can kind of turn a phrase a lot, but I I feel like I'm so chorus centric and listening to someone like Scott Hutchison, like makes me not feel bad about that. Like, it's like, this is done really well in that vein. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I'm on the same camp as you, like once you've kind of committed to one style of songwriting, it can be a bit weird and hard to then, be like actually I want to do something really stream of consciousness and really free flowing and something that's like you know really um yeah does away with a central hook or whatever like that that can be a weird switch I suppose so um I think that Scott Hudson is obviously someone that's um struck a balance that I think a lot of us probably strive for yeah I'm even just like certain lines that he'll kind of like stick in a song. Um, like the Jesus was, is a Spanish boy's name. Uh, yeah. It's just like, and I, I, I hate that. I can't remember what, what song that's on, that, on this record. Um, head rolls off. Oh, okay. Um, that's why I have you the expert here. <laughs> so, to, uh, but yeah, just like, I mean, it seems like such a, silly clever line you know that just like sticks with me uh yeah but it doesn't feel like sometimes i feel like if i try and write i don't know big words or like explain it in a big context it feels like kind of wieldy like it's like not for me like i can't like kind of shape it to kind of like fit like who i feel like i am and then i feel like then i write like you know i have no time or something you know it's like that's the line then it's like damn it, I wish I had like a better way of saying it, but it's like, it's with him. It's like, he would maybe say, I don't know why I picked that as a line. He he could say that line, but then kind of what he throws after it or before really kind of personalize it in some way. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah. And I also think that like, he doesn't overdo, He ha- he didn't overdo the, going back to, I guess, what we're saying about him talking about mental health problems and, like, thoughts of suicide and stuff, he did it in a way... Yeah, he was being very explicit, but it wasn't in a way that was, you know... I can't think what the word is, and I blame the COVID brain fog, not my own dumbness. But, like, 
um, there, there's a gracefulness to how he approaches that. And it's not, he doesn't overdo it, I don't think. I think some people would argue that that, that was main, the main sort of crux of all the songs was that, but I don't think it is. And if you listen to Midnight Organ Fight, to me, what I heard at the time in 2008 when it came out was a lot of hope, hopefulness. Mm-hmm. And like themes of like, like, yeah, I've been feeling like this and, I'm, I'm, you know, even like modern leper or whatever. It's like, oh, you, I'm just a mess, and you've, you shouldn't have anything to do with me because this is what I'm, you know, I'm feeling. But the record sort of ends like the towards the end of it. There's more of a hopefulness, and even in fighting in the fourth, there's like loads of hope in it. Where it's like, no, I'm not going to do this. Like, like I'm acknowledging how I feel and whatever. I, it, I guess it's all the, made all the more sad that it did end up that way, but. I think for a lot of long time, I used to get a lot of joy and hope out of that record, you know, before in the times before. Yeah. I I think what was interesting when I was kind of like looking at how he like writes, um, he was, he was saying like how he writes, he tends to write music first. Um, and that kind of surprised me in that, I feel like a lot of these songs, like it's, I was thinking that like, it was almost like he starts writing words along with like a guitar part, but he, he was saying that words would come last, like after he starts playing. That's surprising. Yeah. And it's like, cause it's, it's so well crafted. Um, but it was, I can't remember where I was reading it, but it was like, you know, he kind of just comes up with melodies kind of first and then kind of figures out like where that melody is trying to lead him and that's not like something i would completely expect with someone that's kind of known to be like a very strong lyricist like you know i feel like i can come up with like decent melodies you know but i'm not always confident with my lyrics yeah yeah i'm the same actually and i think that that's partly if you're writing from the heart and you're being trying to be your authentic self it's just that you, it, there's a, there's a, just a scariness, I suppose, to that, isn't there? That maybe makes you think you're not a good lyricist when really, if you're sort of just speaking your own truth, then it can't really be bad because it's sort of that's the whole point. You're just expressing. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's so many exceptions to it, but yeah, when I feel like I start like kind of coding things over it or trying to paint a picture I feel like sometimes I stop myself and then I'm like well you're just trying to like guide you're trying to lead someone away from like what you're actually saying or it's like I feel like I'm like afraid to say what I'm trying to say so I almost like try and take out flowery language because I'm like don't be a coward (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you know I think yeah it's gonna be better then you know i i don't know it's like there's always like this line in someone else's work where i I feel like they were explaining like a wedding dress made out of like chain mail or something but then i was like what are you actually trying to say though like you know are is there something you're trying to say that you're you kind of like you know you you just have to you have to put it this way because you're afraid to just directly say what you're going to say i really like that image though (laughs) Wedding dress made from chain mail. Yeah, but then it's but it's Is it like a cosplay wedding. 
<laughs> that's what you should do. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I should revisit that person's lyrics. Um, but that's always how I felt with like those specific lyrics that I'm thinking of. Um, I don't want to like put that person on blast cause, but it, but it's like, you know, I'm like, are you afraid, you know, to say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they're not saying what they mean, which is they don't want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. Maybe that's, now I get it. Maybe is they are smart. Yeah. <laughs> no, my wife. Yeah, yeah those aren't my, my wife's lyrics. But my my <laughs> wife actually tends to kind of write in a way that um, she doesn't always like have like choruses, but I still feel like they're like choruses. Like I always thought, I feel like I could write a song that's like almost all chorus. So I'm like, I struggle with like the verses more, you know? Uh, And she said she sometimes feels like she's like the other way with it. Like she's easier. We write together much. So she can write the verses and you can write the choruses. (laughs) Yeah, we, we write so differently. It's interesting though. I'm not sure how like you approach songwriting or if Frightened Rabbit has influenced like how you approach songwriting in any way? Um, I think it must have done. And I'm, a lot of people are really good at naming their influences and being really, really conscious of like um, where they glean inspiration from musically. And I'm really, I'm really bad at it. Like I don't, I don't know what where i mean i just i guess it's an amalgamation of everything i listen to and i do listen to frightened rabbit a lot as i'm a massive fan of theirs so i suppose it must be an influence but there's no like for me there isn't any kind of like structure and that sounds weird because i think the songs are pretty you know, I don't think that they're experimental or anything, but it's, I, I don't go into it thinking, right, I'm, I want it to, I want to say this and I want it to um, sound a bit like this and uh, it's going to be this sort of, you know, it's going to be really rocky or it's going to be really, you know, uh, so, solemn and sparse. I don't, I never sit down and think like that. I just honestly just, and I, I just sort of write what comes out and sometimes I'll just have one line. I'll often like write one line in my phone on notes or whatever. And then I'll be playing around with something on guitar and then I'll just revisit this one line and then that'll be the inspiration for the entire song, you know, like yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I have, I feel like I've, I've tried so often to be like, Oh, I'm going to, I want to write something in the style. And yeah. I just, I just can't, like, I also just kind of sit down and kind of whatever comes out, you know, and I'm like, hope it's not another slow song or something, you know, it's like, or whatever it is. Like, I wish I could sit down and just be like, this is a teenage fan club song and then yeah. execute it, you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I can't, it's just going to come out the way it's going to come out. And that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly the same way. Um, definitely go through periods of writing a whole bunch of very very similar sounding songs that are very slow and sparse and then I'll go through a higher more, a more higher energy period where I'm thinking like of like lots of other instruments and like a big band sound and yeah it, it's kind of annoying in a way yeah I I think even when I'm thinking about like Frightened Rabbit 
on this record specifically, um, I feel like that probably was a lot of like Scott's process too, because um, the, a lot of songs like will start in like different ways, you know, um, you know, with like a keyboard or something, you know, like it, it seems like he's good at like switching it up. I don't know if those are kind of like after the fact production choices or really like how it was written, you know, yeah. you know, going into I'm not sure. it. I, I think, I think probably I would wager that those were like after the thought production choices, because I think a lot of the songs, like I remember he played them like, I mean, I guess you could do it the other way around as well, but he often played like acoustic solo shows and stuff. And I can imagine so many of the songs just in that form, like him just sitting there with the acoustic. There's this one tune that I always come back to now that I never really listened to a lot when at the time. And it was, um, um, boxing day or no, sorry, boxing night. Um, and it's actually, and I guess it's in the, since he died, that song for some reason has been the one I always come back to and listen to all the time. And it's another one of those songs where you're like, wow, in hindsight, this is, it's like he's real, really screaming, for help you know what I mean like but the song's so beautiful he sort of describes sitting there on his own on boxing day do you have boxing day yeah you have boxing day uh we I think it's like it'll be on calendars but I don't really know what it is like I don't know we don't celebrate it uh in the U.S. right I see um it's like yeah it's just the day after Christmas Day, and it's like a bank holiday here. But um, he describes just sitting on his own, like being feeling very lonely and getting really drunk, and then saying that like he and he's in Glasgow, and he says like it, Glasgow could burn down, and I wouldn't even notice, you know. Yeah. Do you know get- what Boxing Day actually is, or is it just? I mean, is there like a? It's supposed to mean like the, I think it's from like maybe Victorian times. This is a guess, but it'll be from like Georgian or Victorian times maybe. And it's the, the, the process of like all the Christmas presents, you're like get taking out the boxes to get rid of the boxes. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What is, strange. It's like, uh, I mean, I guess it does seem like it just morphed into like a bank holiday, like another day off. But yeah. that's so funny that it's like so specifically. Even yeah, when I just looked it up, it was essentially like because you take out the boxes, which is like what? There's like <laughs> <laughs> it's so like you- well. It was the day. It was traditionally a day off for servants, so it's when they receive their Christmas present because they have to serve the families on Christmas Day. But the next day, they would get to go home and do their Christmas with their families. It's kind of sad. Oh, it's sad. Yeah. Be day off, though. <laughs> the Christmas junior for the oh, poor people. Um, but yeah, and I, another thing that, well, now that we're thinking of Christmas, um, I, my aunt, um, she, she is British, and, but she's been in the U.S. for a really long time. Uh, but she would always, at Christmas, when I'd go visit like my dad's family, um, if she was there, they had the you know the cracker thing with like the crown. Have you done that yeah. growing up? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Is that like a common place? Yeah. 
so she would do that and we were always like that's different you know but it's like from my record or from what she would tell me and i guess also your reaction to it it's yeah, that's a normal <laughs> duh yeah like a paper uh, crown that you get out of the cracker yeah do you not have crackers we don't really i mean people do it sometimes now but it's not a commonplace thing you know it's like the most common thing ever here like you, you yeah. don't have christmas without crackers <laughs> well we don't really have crackers like yes. anytime anytime it's brought out i feel like it's like someone will explain what it is like it's still like a uh, it's not a widespread christmas thing or at least it isn't in you know the southeast of the united states but i from my i don't really think that many people do it in the u.s yeah. what crackers yeah well, the the one thing that is a bit rubbish about them is that they always come with some little plastic toy that you're going to throw away, and that always gets on my nerves a little bit. Like, you don't need more rubbish little plastic things, you know what I mean? But it comes with, like, a joke, and the joke will be really bad. It will be, like, something like, why does, the peng- why does a penguin wear a scarf or something? And they'll be like, oh, actually, I'm making this joke up, and I don't have a punchline, but that's about... <laughs> level anyway so yeah <laughs> christmas cracker and everyone has to read their joke out to each other and then everyone goes oh, oh, oh very good and then there'll be like a, a fact or like a you know like a quiz question so you'd be like oh who was the uh, prime minister in 1985 and everyone's like oh Margaret yeah that's right and then you can eat. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say David Cameron, but that's like 2010s or something. Oh yeah, that's 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 quite recent. Yeah, um, but I was thinking though, it's like I bet that that was like a hit in like Victorian times, or even up until probably like I don't know, probably up until the internet. Really, <laughs> like it's like the internet probably destroyed the cracker industry. You know, like just <laughs> we can get all the good jokes online. We don't need these jokes yeah the worst thing is when the cracker doesn't bang yeah it's supposed to bang when you pull it and sometimes you'll get one and it doesn't bang and it's the most unsatisfying disappointing thing to happen yeah does it do they have candy in them or just like tiny toys just tiny toys and a joke and a crown <laughs> and the crown is like just like really small paper kind of pitiful crown not like a big like crown or anything because it's got to fit in that tube it's like a (laughs) cylindrical tube Um, yeah it's just like a paper colorful and you will have different colors and they often don't really fit your head and you don't they don't really last but there's this there's a very british kind of like image of like an old old granny or a grandpa like with a crown on their head asleep in the <laughs> on the armchair with a like a whiff of brandy like the end of christmas day watching yeah. the telly <laughs> have you That's ever have you been christmas. have you played shows in the u.s or been to the u.s i played at south by but i haven't i was supposed to tour um on the album but yeah obviously covid didn't let us so no i haven't i've only been i've been to new york a couple of times just for to see a friend that moved there um and uh, yeah and austin that's it yeah um 
So do you <laughs> like this album? Like, because you, you said you know winter mix drinks drinks a little better. And then was this like, did you already know it? Or did you have to sort of get to know it a little bit more after we said about it? And what, what's your take on it? I, uh, I don't know if I purposely, I guess thinking about this in relation to winter and mixed drinks, it kind of felt like, like, I don't want to keep like pulling things into like a kind of dark thing. It almost felt like it's like, I don't know if I should revisit that in a while. Um, I Mm -hmm. think the time that I was kind of listening to it, like, I don't know, it was like after college and it just, you know, it was was also in the U S it was basically during the time of like the recession. So it was, you know, just a weird time. (laughs) And so I don't feel like I've revisited as much as I would have expected based on how much I liked it. But right when I started listening to this record, I, I hadn't listened to it or I don't think I had, but it was like right away, I felt like I either knew the songs or just clicked. You know, sometimes when you listen to a record, you're like, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't know if I like this on first pass or like it might take some time and then it'll become like a good record. But this was like right off the bat, I'm, yeah. I'm in. And so it's like something about this band just like speaks my language. And, you know, so yes. I really did. I enjoyed this record a lot. Um, you know, yeah. I sometimes I find myself with doing this podcast, I'll I'll be like, oh, where are we at in the record? But I feel like it goes by quickly, even though it's like 48 minutes long, which, you know, it's kind of long in modern standards, you know. It does. It goes really, it flies by. I think it's a really like strong album back to like front to back. Like, and I I wouldn't say that for all their records, um, just on a personal level like i think they've got like amazing songs on every album but this one is the one like like and i i have that with very few records really where i'm just like front to back this is a wall-to-wall album i love every song on it there's not a single song on this album that i would skip and i very rarely have that yeah i'm trying to think now uh, because sometimes i'll kind of like take a note um and there's certain songs where I'm like almost surprised that I like it as much as I did. Like when the rhythm of like old, old fashioned came in, I was Very like, fun. I don't know if I want, it feels like it's like, yeah, I mean, it feels old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like it, you know, usually I feel like it could be corny. Yeah. But somehow it isn't with him. You know why? Because <laughs> like, it's, it's Scottish. <laughs> But I don't, the, okay, so I feel like, well, you uh, culturally have to say that, you know, <laughs> you're like legally obligated to say that, so essentially what you're stating, I guess I'm putting words in your mouth, is that uh, traditional Scottish music is always good? Um, <laughs> no, it's not always good. I know a lot of traditional Scottish music that my granny listens to, and I'm like, yeah this is annoying but um i think that the folkiness there's like a there's a there was like a period of folkiness right that in british music around that time Mm -hmm. and a lot of it just felt a little bit inauthentic whereas with this band it's not because it, it that that stuff it does 
really mirror in a lot of the sort of more traditional like Scottish country music that we're all raised with and I know I sound like um, I sound like a bloody Essex Londoner like whatever saying this but obviously me and my brother and sister we're the only ones that have that have been like raised in England the rest of our family are all Scottish so including our mum and dad and we were born there so our mum and dad listen to this stuff as well and it really it's really nostalgic you know growing up listening to this like and it's very instilled in your psyche, you know, like it's, we all know these songs. So Frightened Rabbit's take on the folkiness, it comes from that place, mm-hmm. not coming from this sort of like faux trendy folk that sort of happened at the time. It's yeah. just from a much more genuine, like, right, let's have a, let's have a twirl around the living room, you know, let's, which... I don't know if they their family were like that, but our family like get the accordion out and we all have a little sing song or a little twirl. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think you make a good point though. Like, whenever one thing that okay, so, so it could the song doesn't, but it could come. This could almost be like an early Mumford and Son song if it was done right. wrong. It could totally. be that you right. know. But yeah, or like, you know, things around the time, like even like Johnny Flynn or something, you know, it's like, uh, there was a lot of that going on at that time. Yeah. But I think they, they just put, they know kind of the right amount to put on. It's like, they'll play traditional kind of uh, traditional folk part in a song, but they're also not going to like load it up with like, I don't think there's accordions on the song and there's not, you know, they're not wearing big hats, you know, the big kind of farmer hat things that Mumford and Sons would do, you know, uh, no offense to them if they want to take any of us on tour, but it's like, you know, there, there's more like costuming and some of that and not just to use Mumford and Sons as like an example. There's tons of examples around this time uh, of it. It's like, they really ride into that. They go, we got this rhythm let's throw fiddle, let's throw accordion and just load it the fuck up with all the stuff. And it's like, all you really have with this frightened rhythm thing or frightened rabbit song is just the rhythm of that kind of traditional music. And that's a, enough a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. They don't, they don't over, they don't labor the point of that. And I, I, I just think it's, it is rooted in something a lot more, and I'm, I don't know if that's just because I know that background because my family is Scottish as well. I, but I think it is definitely because I know that when I like come out with something a bit more like of that folky thing, that's where it's coming from. It's like a, there's the, like Celtic music is very much like instilled in you from a very young age when you were raised with like in a Scottish family or I mean, to, that's my experience anyway. I can only speak from my own experience. So I think that like when it comes from that place, it's just because it you it's very much part of your um, upbringing. Whereas I don't feel like that with Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And I, I think like where I can like think about it with myself, like I don't know if it really comes across in like uh, I guess late bloomers music, but me and the guitar player, like we were kind of raised on like, you know, American country music. So, Right. No, I think it does. Oh, great. I mean, I think it's like good if it does, you know, but I'm not sure how much it does. But, you know, I 
sometimes we're like, it's just going to happen. You know, it's like, we just, that's how we were raised. And it's like, it's naturally coming out. So kind of, I think it's probably the same way with like frightened rabbit, but in this, yeah. Yeah. In in the same way, like we kind of know we're going to do it. So we don't try and like also push it, you know, we could, um, you know, but it's, it's sometimes feels like then it's kind of inauthentic if you kind of load it up with all the tropes of, you know, that thing, you know, it's more interesting if it's something that sort of shines through because it's part of your musical makeup, you know, oftentimes I think you don't even recognize that you're doing it perhaps, but like you as in anyone, like, um, and I think it's way more interesting than, yeah, like, hello, we're here, we're, we're this type of band. Like, even, like, I like a lot of country music, yeah. um, but I guess even, like, with modern country music, sometimes I'll, you know, it's like, oh, here we are, and we do country music, here's some country songs. I think it's more interesting if it's just something that's shining through because it's, like, part of your musical makeup and you're actually sort of maybe doing something different, but, like, there is a tinge of this and the tinge of that, you know? Yeah. I think like, even when I just look at like pictures of, cause that like folkiness is in their music throughout their catalog from, I guess yeah. what I know. Um, but they don't, they don't kind of like dress like it to me. They kind of just dress like normal people. And, um, you know, it was always kind of like a running joke in our band. It's like, Oh, well, if we play country music, we'll just dress normal, you know, but that's, yeah. you know, kind of like, I feel like also putting on like a, cowboy hat is just like a bridge too far for me yeah, yeah. should we get That's our stetsons and guns <laughs> yeah but maybe you maybe next year you should do it i don't know what start doing some country music yeah or just kind of like wearing the hats and stuff yeah i, I do think i could pull it off <laughs> i think okay so let's say well hopefully it's next year we're gonna assume it's next year so we all get covid vaccines and then you're able to do your U.S. tour next year. What I think that yeah. you should do is basically land in the U.S. Let's say it's like New York City. And then just first head to like a Western shop. <laughs> and then just be like the most American you can be for the whole tour. I would be so up for that. I think that's definitely how you get people on side. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be like, yeah, she's one of us. Yeah, just like like ta- like the kind of like the Western fringe kind of thing, and yeah, but still taught like this. All yeah, right, guys, I mean... nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that your impersonation of the way you talk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good. Is it one. Not accurate. <laughs> yeah, um, I think like the when I I started, uh, one of the songs that sticks out to me, and it might be a given uh like good arms versus bad arms is like one that i'm like oh yeah that's i think to me it's like the best song on the record but not to say like i agree with you there really are no bad songs on this album um i think yeah it kind of brings me back to what we've been talking about it just feels so like prophetic in a way like it was just like oh because when I was like looking up, reading kind of, you know, in the, what kind of happening, like that was a big place that they kind of like started the search for Scott. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and so, you know, I don't know if you remember like 
that when it was happening? I assume you do. It wasn't that long ago, but, you know. Yeah, and no, honestly, I've never, there hasn't been a c- celebrity. I'd say celebrity. I, don't, I wouldn't really mark them as celebrities. There hasn't been, like, somebody, you know, like that, that's died whereby I've felt a real personal um where it's really affected me personally at all i've because I, I, you i don't know the guy you know i've got friends that know him and I've, i'm friendly with somebody that was in the band but i no, no, i never met scott at all um so it really took me by surprise how upset i was yeah and that it felt a little close to home in a lot of ways um and yeah i didn't i didn't i I, I couldn't have predicted it if someone had even said like, Oh, you know, would you, do you think you'd be upset if this person died? I probably would have said, well, I don't know him, but like it really, it really, I, I don't know if it was because I would have, feel like I have such personal connection to that song particularly. Um, but, and I just respect him as a songwriter and had followed his career for t- like at this point, 10 years, you know, that's, that's a significant amount of time. Really, really, got me when he when he died and the, and the fact that it was very much he'd acted out the lyrics of this song was it was horrible yeah and even the i guess like like just like how like kind of you can almost like follow it it's just like such a strange like kind of modern thing to be able to do like the fact that like he like tweeted even before like he yeah. disappeared it's just so like it's strange that it, it's, I don't know. It's like, I want to use the right words, like, and not even, cause it's like mental health is a difficult thing, but just like the, you know, be so good to everyone you love thing. And, you know, yeah. there's like a longer thread of it. And just to kind of like have that out publicly is, you know, a hard thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's horrid. And it's, it's tough, man. I remember I was working with a radio plugger at the time and he had worked with Foreign Rabbit for many years. And um, it was the days when we it wasn't confirmed. So he'd tweeted this and he was missing. And there was a day or so where it wasn't confirmed that he died. And um, this radio plugger, I know he's also Scottish actually, and he was like, oh, he's done this before. And, you know, oh, yeah. it's just drunk and it'll be it'll be fine and that's that was his way of dealing with it I guess and then I think he was pretty gutted that he, that that then so gut, gutted do you say that word yeah, we do. <laughs> pretty, yeah. he was pretty and yeah um shocked even that it, that wasn't the case and um I guess it, it does sort of shine a poignancy on a lot of their music in that way and I guess it was the same with like Nirvana and that like as well like there's a lot of hindsight that gets shown on but I genuinely loved that record for many years anyway and it was always in like my top 10 albums yeah despite you know before that and uh, I guess there is just a more more of a depth of feeling around it yeah I feel like even when I think about like Anytime I see like something about like Nirvana and somebody will, you know, th- those are apt, you know, kind of comparisons in a way. But even with Nirvana, it feels like somebody will, you know, it's like 
it almost feels like Da Vinci Code where somebody's like looking at his lyrics that, you know, potentially didn't mean much. Like I feel like Kurt Cobain kind of just wrote things that sounded good and it was good, you know, yeah. but it, with, so it's like people will go, what, I think what he meant by this. And they have to do this like code thing. But yeah. with Scott Hutchison, it's like, he said it. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, and I don't, I'm not saying this as like a joke, but it's like, it's, just strange you know it's it's just so it's hard to process you know with it but with that said and the thing that i want to make very clear is that um this is a fun record (laughs) like with all of that stuff said like it's very strange and it's like you know i know it it's like it can be both those things at the same time it's like i guess catharsis is like a good word to use you know i think that that's it. This the record sh- is such an important record, I think, because it shows all the light and dark of life. Yeah, you know, is there's like, fuck it, let's dance, and then there's like, no, I'm really sad, and then there's like, oh, like relationships and 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 work and love and sex and death and everything is in this album. Like yeah. it's totally, it's this whole spectrum of like human existence almost yeah i think like i hope this never happens but um i think like if you almost took this record you could almost have like a like a you know like the musicals where it's like they take like they had the beatles one where it like takes uh the songs and like puts it you could almost have a movie that almost like takes this album and then plays out through like a day or or, you know it's like it's it starts that way it's like kind of a breakup album you know, there's points where it's like, well, we're broken up or, you know, I remember this person. Well, fuck it. I'll go to the bar and we'll have fun and drink. And then kind of at the end of the day, like floating in the fourth, it's kind of like a contemplative, maybe you're back home and it's kind of like, you know, it might get a little darker, you know, but then you kind of have a hopeful reprieve at the end, you know, and then the movie ends, you know, like it's like, it's, it's like a film, you know, in that way. Totally. And I guess, even like um keep yourself warm as and that like that moment is kind of a, and i think that's that's another song that's like become a favorite later that wasn't to begin with but it has later and it's because like it's so cavalier and like direct and it kind of is almost an amalgamation of the other songs in a way like it's sort of is that movie almost in, but in the song, like, it's like, here's how I feel. Here's the situation. Um, Here's what I've realized. And, you know, here's sort of an ending, you know, all in one song. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, well, I think this is a song you're talking about, but, um, but that song's interesting because I feel like, a lesser lyricist, I would be like, "Ew, that sounds kind of gross." Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, like it's like, especially like a dude singing that. Yeah. You know, like it feels like it's been done. It's well, it feels like it's been done like grosser, and then, but it doesn't feel like it like condescends to anyone. It's more of like yeah. a message to himself, and it could, it doesn't actually even have to be like gendered. You know, uh, a lot of stuff isn't so much gendered, especially that song. You know, it's, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's, I, I'm almost surprised that I like it so much given that it almost like, it's not cringe, but it's like for a lesser vocalist or lyricist would make it, 
Yeah. There is an edge of uncomfortableness, and I think that's kind of what actually makes that song in the end, because it's it's sort of brave in a way. It's not, and it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a something that's yeah belittling or condescending or like um, sexist. You know, yeah. I think it could be in the wrong hands. It could have been, but it's, it doesn't feel that way. It, it feels like human connection and lack of it and an examination of that on an equal playing field. It doesn't feel like, oh, but yeah, I mean, any, and it does have like the straight up almost like cheeky observation, you know, that, you know, it's like, huh, that's kind of funny. You know, I can't find love in a hole, you know? Um, And it's like, oh, well that's, you know, (laughs) oh, double entendre, you know, but um, I think, I think that's what he's, going for you know i I mean it's like the rest of the song paints that out you know so it's like you know that's an interesting line yeah there's there's nothing cringy about it when he sings it like for some reason like it's because he's so like i can imagine another songwriter singing those words and it just being like just having that like oh like a slight gulp edge to it that just doesn't I've never felt that with him and I guess it's because he's so direct a lot of the time yeah Um, and yeah as you say like there's a double entendre with the with a lot of it as well and it sort of means two things and like a lot of that song means two things and then there's a line that's like means nothing else it's just like you 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 won't you can't keep warm just shagging around basically yeah yeah. You're going to be lonely still. Yeah. And it's, but I guess it's just human. Like, it's so human. Everyone can relate to that. And no one ever talks about it in song, really, in such an open way. So, you know, I think that's why it's kind of something that works. And, and that isn't, like, cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, when I think of someone doing it, for some reason, like, all I think of is, like, molly crew or something you know <laughs> or like you know just like it it feels like almost like a rock trope but it yeah. i think it could be used if people used it like you know scott does in that song then you know it's it's a subject that could be talked about like that like like exactly that way um so your record came out uh june 5th 2020 and yeah. I guess if you, so you released a record during a pandemic. Um, yeah. I, I know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you guys did as well. Um, I think um, I was just like, at the point of releasing, I was like, is this dumb idea? Uh, and actually I, uh, I'm not sure. I think it could have been, if we'd have waited a year, then we would have just been fighting against a lot of albums that have been held back. So I don't know if it would have made much difference. And I was, I wasn't about to wait three years to release it. Cause I'd, it already taken me so long to pull the whole thing together that I just felt like it was the right time to release it. So I'm glad I, I, in hindsight, I don't have any regret about it. Yeah. And I think it, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and that album is called Failures, and uh, that came out on 6131 Records uh, that we are both on. Um, Do you have any uh, 
stories. Did you want to say anything mean about Sean or Joey? <laughs> um, no. Um, I've got loads of fun stories with Sean, but I, I wish that I'd thought of them before we'd come on this. Yeah. I love that how much of an Anglophile he is. He makes me buy him books sometimes on that. Like I've got two books sitting here that he's asked me to buy for him that are about Liverpool or like about gangs in Britain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if the next time around I'm around Sean, maybe he'll start like speaking in, you know, like a little fake British accent. I could see that. <laughs> He does a terrible fake British accent. I have never heard him do. I'm going to get him to do that. When we went on tour, I just remembered when we went on tour in the UK with Julian Baker and he came and he drove the three of, well, three of us and uh, my ex-boyfriend at the time. It was four of us in the car and um, we were going, I don't know if you'd been to Liverpool before, but for people that don't know, obviously, well, do you know, he's a massive Liverpool Mm -hmm. football fan and he made us stay at a hotel called Hotel Football um, that overlooked the ground, the stadium. And uh, <laughs> and it was my ex's birthday at the time. So I got like the hotel room. I like asked them to put like that you could buy like a birthday package for the room. And he had no interest in football whatsoever. But we got in the room and there was like football stuff everywhere. <laughs> so football banner that said happy birthday. And it was like a football cake thing. And uh, <laughs> it was really funny. And then, um, yeah, he made us go and visit the ground and take a picture of him with this Liverpool scarf outside the stadium. Um, and we were like, this is, this is, we're supposed to be on tour, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you come to the U.S., you have to – so I guess, like, the equivalent in the U.S. would be, like, let's say you're in L.A. and you just, like, do a bunch of stuff with, like, the Lakers or something. Right. I don't even know what the equivalent would be, just, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, because what's – is football as big there? Is it more like baseball? Is that the biggest one? Um, like what is what is football? What football is to the UK? What or soccer? Should I say? What is yeah, I, I guess I was even I was even uh, confused. I was like, wait, when you say football, yeah, oh, I mean soccer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is so funny. Um, but mm, what would soccer be like here? Soccer is kind of like soccer. I mean, um, but I guess like the equivalent is like um, I, I feel like football or our american football is like uh probably the biggest currently sport um yeah and so the almost like then football versus football is like the thing like i think to you all like your football versus our football is kind of like the top sport yeah it seems yeah so football (laughs) versus football yeah so then you would have to be in like a uh i don't know like a los angeles or like raiders uh gear or something i don't i don't i don't know it'd be i'm not really a sports person even with american sports so yeah. no i'm not at all i watch rugby here and i only watch like the world cup and the six nations they call it which is like the uk like different scotland england ireland wales and some other countries 
um, and just support, support Scotland because that, that's an interesting fact. Even though I've got an English accent, if you're from Scotland and your family is Scottish, you're not allowed to support England. You're not allowed. Mm. You're just not allowed. You've, you're yeah. raised as such. Well, I think, I think it's probably stronger there. Um, but like, I am a fa- like I, if I watch sports, it's baseball, and that's even like I don't watch much baseball. Uh, but my wife's family are uh, New York Mets fans. And so essentially when we got together, I was like, I'm going to buy a hat. And then I went to buy like a Southern team. And she was like, no, you're not going to wear an Atlanta Braves hat. And I'm like, that's the team I was always raised with. She was like, name five people on the team. And I couldn't do it. So she was like, I'll buy you this. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was (laughs) like, but in the South, I feel like, being a Mets fan, which I even put that lightly that I'm a fan. It's just, that's the hat I wear, you know, but I've become a fan over the time, but it's not, it's almost kind of like looked down upon to be like a fan of like a Northern team being from the South, like, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. There would be that divide. It's similar, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat. But I mean, I, I get it because I think there's a lot kind of loaded up with it. Like, like, and I think even when I, like, I feel like I condescend to people that are like Yankees fans that aren't from New York. Um, you know, it's like, why are you a Yankees fan? That's like, I feel like that might be how people feel about England. It's like. Why is Sean a Liverpool fan? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like, I would, I would probably want, I don't assume that Liverpool is like an underdog team. No, it's not. It's like, like in the Yankees. Kind yeah, of it's a big I think. Team. Yeah, and so I feel like you would be. There's probably a lesser UK team that. What is it like Manchester United? No, they're a big team as well. Oh, okay, uh, I see. A lesser team would be the Northampton Cobblers, which is where I live. Northampton and the Cob the Cobblers. I don't think you anyone in the US will have ever heard of. Mm. Well, I'm gonna start getting a bunch of uh, Cobbler stuff, and then like rivalry <laughs> yeah. with with sean they would never play liverpool they'd never be in the same league so would it be manchester versus liverpool yeah okay then i'm gonna do manchester then okay. just uh just to fuck with them um but yeah i really enjoy your record uh, failures <laughs> was a great record uh and my partner too i would come home and uh you know she would be listening to the record a lot you know it, oh that's so nice to hear thank yeah. you Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been great to just chat about the craft and Frightened Rabbit and all my favourite things. Are you stuck at home and need new records, but it doesn't feel safe to venture out or you don't want to support big box stores? Go to lunchboxrecords.com for the best new releases and a whole lot more. If you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do safe pickup. But if you live elsewhere in the United States, they'd be happy to ship to you. At checkout, just enter discount code SPINNINGOUT for 10% off. Come on, you love new music, so trust me, it's easy. Welcome back. Thanks again to Katie Malko. Please check out her new album, Failures. So next week, we're talking to Jonah Ray about The Weaker Than's second album, Left and Leaving. Really excited to talk about this album and obviously super excited to talk to Jonah. I've been a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater, 
my whole life. So when he stepped into that role, it was a perfect fit. You may also recognize Jonah from Nerdist Podcast, The Meltdown, with Kamel Nanjiani and so many others. We'll talk about his credits next week. All you have to do is, you know, brush up on the weaker dance. So once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Check out the tiers. We'll be dropping premium content ASAP. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. So on that note, hit the theme. <laughs>